Amen, amen. If you agree with that, say amen real loud. You may be seated. It is good to see you this morning. Amen. If you're new with us this morning, my name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a joy to have you in our midst this morning. We missed you last weekend, New Live East. We were uh, at Universal Studios in Florida celebrating uh, our daughter Bella's 13th birthday. Can everybody say happy birthday, Bella? She's sitting about eight rows back. Happy birthday, Bella. It was amazing. We were suffering in 85 degree heat while you guys were, oh no, it was the other way around, wasn't it? Sorry about that snowstorm last week. Good gracious. But you all turned out in droves is what I heard. And uh, so that's great. We're continuing our series on who is God this morning, talking about God, the Holy Spirit. And we have been in this part of our series now for a couple weeks. And if you remember the first week that we started talking about the Holy Spirit, I tried to set up what I think is the clearest, most central, most definitional idea of what happens when we come into an encounter with the Spirit of the living God. The Creed says that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, which means that whatever is happening with the Holy Spirit has everything to do with whatever is going on between the Father and the Son. And this is what we know about what's going on between the Father and the Son, is that it's all love. That the Father pours out His love, and that love is the Son, and the Son pours His love back out upon the Father, and that infinite movement of pouring out love and delight and rejoicing that the Father and the Son have for one another. Christian theologians down through the centuries have said that that movement just is the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the personal love of the Father and the Son opened up now to include humanity so that when we come into an encounter with the Spirit of the living God, what's happening is we're encountering the love of God that transforms our lives. It changes us. And last week, Pastor Rory did an excellent job of talking about that line. Give it up for Rory Green, everybody. Did an excellent job last week of talking about what it means to call the Spirit the Lord and the giver of life, as the Creed declares, that the Spirit is, just is, the very life of the triune God. So that when we come into an encounter with the Spirit, we're coming into an encounter with the one that does not just uh, uh, sustain our lives as the Creator Spirit, but also is the one that gives us life on the far side of death. So that when we come to those places where human agency has run out of steam, it's the spirit of the living God who steps in and brings the dead to life. By the way, this is what Paul says happened to the dead body of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is not like a neat parlor trick that Jesus does. But Jesus' resurrection from the dead is an act of the spirit of God. So Paul says that if the same spirit of the one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then that same spirit will make alive your mortal bodies through his spirit, who lives in you. It all happens by the power of the Spirit. This morning I want to focus on that line of the creed that says that the Spirit is the one who has spoken through the prophets. There is this intuition in the creed that when we encounter the words of God, that somehow we're encountering the Spirit of God. And I want to just articulate that relationship this morning and talk to you about why it's so important for us. I'm going to start in the book of Genesis. I'll be in 2 Timothy a little bit and kind of pop around from place to place. So if you have Bibles, I'll invite you to turn there. Before we open the scriptures, let us pray. Spirit, we thank you that we do not have to conjure your presence for you're already present here. When we come into your presence, what we're asking for is for open eyes and open ears and open hearts to see you and to hear you, to perceive you, and then to receive you inside our being so that we're changed. And that's what we're doing here. We're thanking you already for how you've been at work in this service, warming our hearts up 
and moving us into the kingdom of God. And so we pray that in these next moments that we have together of reading and engaging the scriptures, that all of that would continue and that you would break down all the resistance in us. Everything that's spoiling our lives, the sin that's sundering us, that's pulling us apart, severing us from you and from one another, we pray that you would pull all of that down and that you would restore us. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is a place where we are restored to rightful relationship with God and rightful relationship with our neighbors and rightful relationship within ourselves to ourselves. So put us in our right minds and our right bodies, we're asking this morning. Grant it, we say. May the words of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of the hearer's hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, Rory covered this text last week, God created the heavens and the earth and now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and there, right there in that place of darkness and primeval chaos, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters and God, what? Said, God spoke something, let there be light and there was light. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, As the creation account proceeds, the thing that we see is that the Spirit of God is there right in the beginning, but the creation unfolds at every stage by an act of the Word of God. God talks and things happen. And so he says, let there be light and light happens. And then he says, let the waters be divided and the waters are divided. And he says, let land appear and land appears. And he says, let the land be full of green plants and things and green plants and things come out of the ground. And he says, let the land be filled with animals and the sea with creatures and let the sky teem with birds. And it does. And then he looks at the dust and he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And sure enough, a human being comes leaping up out of the ground. God, from the very beginning in the scriptures, is a very chatty deity. He talks. He doesn't just kind of wave a magic wand and make things happen, but he speaks. And it's his speaking that causes things to happen. And as the pages of the Old Testament text unfold, you see that this chattiness of God doesn't ever diminish, but it actually gets amplified. It continues. And so God talks to Adam and Eve and things happen. And he talks to Noah and things happen. And he talks to Abraham and things happen. And when the people of God find themselves languishing in slavery, he talks to Moses, right? And things happen. He just keeps talking. And all throughout the narrative, there's this deity is just this chatty deity. Is lo- he's loquacious. He's verbose. He just keeps talking, which is very different than the way that most of us think about God. We think that God is mostly kind of silent and every once in a while he speaks. But that's not the way the scriptures think about God. And Psalm 19 says that actually the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands, that somehow God is even speaking through his creation. God is just always kind of talking. And then we get to the prophets and the whole thing, like there's not even story actually just kind of recedes into the background. And it's all just these long speeches of God. God talks and things happen. That's the perspective of the Old Testament text. And so what the Christian, what Christian theologians and teachers have thought as they've contemplated that is that they've said, well, what happens like the way that God speaks is somehow by the Spirit of God. And when we talk about who God is, like this whole text of Scripture, the Old Testament text, does not just contain occasional moments of God speaking, but the whole text of Scripture in the Old Testament is itself one dramatic speech act 
of God that does something to us. So listen to what Paul says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the scriptures. This, by the way, is what the creed is getting at when it says that the Spirit has spoken through the prophets. That's kind of a roundabout way of talking about the whole Old Testament text. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, And how from infancy, he's talking to Timothy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And all scripture is, what does the text say? God breathed. I want you to flag that for a second. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to notice two things. Put the next slide up on the screen here. Two things to notice here about what Paul is doing. Uh, Number one, every word of God is ordered to the word of God. So every word of God, lowercase w, is ordered to the word of God, uppercase w. Who is the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. And so this is what Paul says. He says that these scriptures that have been given to us are able to make us wise for salvation, not through themselves, but through who? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Every word of God is ordered to the word of God. The words of God lead us to the word of God. Everything that was going on in the whole Old Testament text was always an outline of and a signpost to pointing to the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ the Lord. So the words of God lead us to the word of God. But secondly, notice that every word of God is given to us in the breath of God. Think about what Paul says. He says that all scripture is God breathed. The Greek there is theopneustos, God breathed, God's spirit. So think about it. When I talk, all of these words that are coming out of my mouth right now, they are given in my own breath, right? I must breathe to give these words so that the the spirit of Andrew coming out here, the breath of Andrew coming out, and the word of Andrew coming out, those are coherent realities that when you come in contact with these words, also you come in contact with the breath. So what Paul is saying about the scriptures is that when you come in contact with the scriptures themselves, you're not just coming in contact with some kind of uh, ancient record of something that these people encountered way back then and some stories about some people that did some stuff over there and some people's kind of personal experiences of God. What you're actually coming in contact with is the breath of God. That same breath, that same spirit of God that fills us with the love of God, that same spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, somehow when we come into proximity with these words, we're coming into proximity with the spirit of the living God. Are you following with me this morning, ladies and gentlemen? Somehow that's what we mean when we say that the spirit has spoken and is still speaking through the prophetic word. That the spirit is still making humanity alive by these very words of God. Lots of us kind of have the question when it comes to the spirit of God, when it comes to God himself, we're wondering where we can go to have an encounter with God. And so... We want to go into nature. And I think that you can definitely have encounters with God in nature. I've had many of them. We think, well, if I just get out of nature, if I have a solitude retreat, that's where I'll encounter God. Or we think I need to encounter God in like great music. That's like my place of encountering God. And I have encountered God in great music. Trust me. But we think that that's maybe the place to encounter God. Or we go, if I just have 
this other kind of spiritual experience out there. Or maybe if I read a really inspiring book, you know, then I'll have an encounter with God. And we're all kind of searching for these encounters with God. And meanwhile, most of us are, neglect- and are neglecting the place where God has guaranteed that an encounter with God will happen. It's in these scriptures. It's in these scriptures that point us to the very word of God himself. And I think about some of the people that I have met down through the years of my own life who have been carriers of the presence of God. They were folks who very clearly had had an immersive experience of the spirit of God and whose lives were changed by it. Think about the woman that I talked about a couple weeks ago, Ola. Somebody, some of you might remember that story. I was in fourth grade and she came and she taught our Bible class. And this was a woman who was full of the spirit of God. And she taught us from the scriptures, opened the scriptures to us. And then at the end of her time of teaching us, she asked if she could pray for the class. And we all said yes. So we stood in a semicircle at the, front of the, at the front of the room there. And Ola came around, this tiny little German woman, full of the Holy Spirit. And she came around and she prayed over each of us. And as she prayed over each of us, every single kid in that room hit the deck one by one. The power of God just overwhelming us and the love of God drenching Gus, Ola was a woman like that. And my mom, my parents are in town. My mom will be here in the second service. And my mom knew Ola well. And we could tell you, my mom could, as the day is long, could tell you stories like that about Ola. This woman who was full of the Spirit of God, full of the life of God. Her whole life was ordered to the person of Jesus. And the miraculous went with her wherever she went. People all of a sudden getting in the orbit of Ola. And they're filled with the Spirit and they're speaking in other tongues. Or, People that had different physical maladies, they get in the orbit of Ola, and Ola, even without trying, all of a sudden she's healing them, you know? Like, there's just power coming off of her. She was that kind of a woman. And I remember uh, the legend of Ola, you know, I encountered her, I think, first when I was in about fourth grade or so, and the legend of Ola grew in my own mind and in my own heart as I began to really follow Jesus. And so I get through my teenage years, and I'm 17 or 18 years old. Actually, I was 18 years old, and Mandy and I were just getting ready to be married at my mom's behest. She said, you know, before you guys get married, you ought to go spend some time with Ola. You know, at this point, she was like 91, 92 years old, very old. And she was like, Ola might not be around that much longer. And this, it'll be like a missed opportunity for you if you don't get time with her. So you ought to go spend time with Ola. So we did. We went over to her little apartment and we sat down with Ola. And she's sitting on her little rocking chair. And she's got a TV tray with her Bible. Did we, are we out? Hello? Can you hear me? Okay. TV tray, Bible in front of her. And Mandy and I are sitting there talking with her and just hearing the stories and kind of picking out, well, like, how did that thing work? And tell us more about this. And it was a really wonderful and beautiful time. And, but I'm, like, really personally interested in the spirituality of this woman, you know? What is the thing, Ola, that powers it? What's the secret in the sauce, you know? Like, what makes it go? And so I remember saying to Ola, I said, Ola, I'm so very interested can you tell me, like, what is your devotional practice like? You know, like, I grew up, I don't know if you grew up like this, if you grew up in church, you know, the song that, you know, like what you do in your, you have a quiet time. And what, you, what do you do in the quiet time? You read your Bible and, do you know this? Am I the only one? And pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. You read your Bible and you pray every day. I knew that you knew it. You were holding out on me. You can't leave me up here like this. Very lonely on the stage. And what happens? You read your Bible and you pray every day. And what happens? You grow or grow. That's right, right? So, okay, but clearly that's got to be for like mere mortals. And the Olas of the world and those people that are really full of God, they've got some other little tricks that they do. And so I ask Ola, 
Ola, can you tell me about your devotional practice? What is it like? And she's got her little TV tray in front of her, and the Bible is on the TV tray, and she says, well, she says, uh, I read the scriptures, and I pray. And what's the other thing that you do? We all do that. <laughs> but what's the other thing that you do that really makes it go? And for Ola, 91 years old, drenched in God, the technology, if I might put it that way, of her spirituality was no more complicated than any spirituality that we would give to a third grader or a fourth grader or a fifth grader about how to conduct a spiritual life. It's just that she had dedicated herself to it and done it enough that the word had broken down resistance in her, that the word had made, the word by the breath of God had made her alive in the presence of God. And I have sought to mimic that in my adult spirituality. I've been living, I've been walking with Jesus now seriously for about 25 years. And that practice just is my practice. That what I do is I come into an encounter with the scriptures and I find that it's the spirit of the living God that makes me alive. And you might be here this morning and you're saying to yourself, Andrew, I just don't know how to do it. It's like really scary to me. You know, I don't know how I would conduct like a spiritual life. I don't know how I would conduct a devotional life. And I want to just like, uh, this is what we're going to do here for a few minutes. We're going to have like a moment together as a church where we practice engagement with the scriptures. And I want to just show you something about how it works and how very simple it is. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, church. If you got your Bibles or your notebooks or whatever, just set it down for a second. And I want you to just become still in God's presence because this is the first thing. I'm like teaching you how to pray here for a second. The first thing that we do when we come into the presence of God is we don't start rambling on about all of the things that we need done. But the first thing that we do when we come into the presence of God is we just become quiet. And we acknowledge that God has gone in front of us. And so church, I just want to invite you to become still in God's presence. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. And so we still ourselves in your presence. And I just begin to let like all of my anxious thoughts become quiet before the Lord. And all of my distracting thoughts, I allow those to become centered before the Lord. And I just wait for a sense of the presence of God to begin to dawn on me. And once I'm in that place where I'm attentive and aware, I begin to engage the scriptures but not to try to figure them out. Paul says that all scripture is God breathed. And so I want to engage the scriptures in a way that acknowledges that God is breathing upon me to make me alive. And so I'll open the Psalms. That's where I always begin. And I might begin with a Psalm like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters. And he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I just linger there with it. And I think about those words or those phrases or those movements through that psalm that did something to me. Because sometimes you just read the scriptures and there's not a lot happening. But there are those moments, there are those places in the scripture where you all of a sudden encounter a sort of woof of God. And it's, sometimes it's very strong. Other times it's just so subtle. It's almost like it's as subtle as like the fluttering of your heart or the warming of your mind to something that you know that you need to hear. And oftentimes what I'll do then is I'll just go back through that text one more time. But now what's happened is the Spirit has begun to open a door into my heart and has begun to focus my mind. And so then I'm going back through the text of Scripture. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not. For he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters and you're restoring my soul and you're guiding me in paths of righteousness for your namesake and all of a sudden a conversation now is happening with God and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they're a comfort to me and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you're anointing my head with oil even now and my cup overflows and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I might have been four minutes ago feeling a little bit stale and kind of cold on the inside as I was coming into the presence of God. But now that the scripture has washed over me, all of a sudden something is awakening in me. And I'm finding that I'm able to pray. And thanksgiving begins to pour off of my lips. And I'm saying, God, thank you that these things are true. Thank you that you are my shepherd. And because of that, I don't lack anything. And sometimes it feels like I lack so much, but you're saying that I don't lack anything. I don't have anything to fear because you're with me and your rod and your staff are comforting me. And I'm thanking you now, God, that you're the one who's not destroying my soul. The enemy destroys my soul, but what you do is you're restoring my soul. Even now your spirit is ministering to me. And so I receive the ministry of the spirit. Thank you that that's what you're doing for me, oh God. You're waking my spirit up. You're putting my life back together. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have anything to fear because you're with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me and you're preparing a table before me. You're calling me to eat to the normal rhythms of life, even in the presence of my enemies and you're anointing my head with oil and my cup over. Thank you that you are this for me, God. Thank you that I've got a lifetime that I've spent with you and you've never failed to be this God and you're not going to fail to be this God for me in this day. I thank you for it. And Then what happens is I'll begin to just kind of draw my world into the presence of God. And I thank you for Mandy and for Ethan and for Gabe and for Bella and for Liam. And I thank you, oh God, that Psalm 23 is theirs. And I pray that wherever they go and whatever they do and whatever they experience today, that they would know that you are their shepherd. And because of that, they lack nothing. God, I thank you that you're pouring yourself out upon them and helping them and strengthening them. And I pray that you would sojourn with them wherever they go. Today, oh God, 
And I'm praying that even if this day they find themselves in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, I'm asking that you would prepare the table and anoint their head with oil and prove to them to be their defender and their protector. Thank you for that, O oh God. And I begin to draw other pieces of my world, my coworkers and my friends and my family into the presence of God. And then all of a sudden what will happen is I'll start to become mindful of the fact that there are people in the Ukraine whose lives are being assaulted by mass evil. And I'm praying that Psalm 23 would be theirs. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, they have nothing to fear. Do it, O oh God. Rise up and be their defender and their protector. And I'm thinking about the people in Buffalo and the people in Uvalde. And I'm drawing that into the presence of God, into Psalm 23. And I'm saying, may all of that be true for all of those people, O oh God. And as I conclude my time of prayer, I just lift my own heart up to the Lord. Jesus, here, I'm all yours. I'm heading into a day that's going to throw a ton of blessing at me. And I'm also going to head into a day that's going to throw a lot of challenge at me. Things are going to be difficult. I know that. Because you said that in this world we would have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I know that. And so what I'm praying today is that you would be with me and help me. And I'm praying that the Spirit would refresh and renew and strengthen me and that I would ever be mindful of Jesus. And so I pray, as you taught me, Lord Jesus, I say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I open my eyes, as you can open your eyes, and I head into the day, and somehow there is new strength that has come into me. And my guess is that all of you sitting here, most of you, probably all of you, at some point during that last five minutes or so had a moment, your heart came alive. Do you know what that was? That's the spirit of the living God, guys. And the call of the church is to immerse ourselves in the word of God so that we can be made alive by the spirit of God. Are you with me this morning? We are living in a world now, and with this, I'm going to call the worship team up a little bit sooner than I expected to because we are rapidly running out of time. But we are living in a world now, and you know this, that is being riven with anger and with hatred and with strife and with confusion of every kind. And what is very sad to me is that there are many people out there who are propounding words or movements or ideologies in the name of the Spirit of God that are actually fanning the flames of hatred and violence and discord in our country. And here is what we know. If it is true that the Spirit is the one who has spoken through the prophets and led them to speak of the one word of God, Jesus Christ, is that if it doesn't form us for Jesus Christ, it's not the Spirit of God. And if it doesn't mold us into the image of Jesus Christ, it is not God. And if it does not make us alive with the very life of Jesus Christ, it is not God. Think about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. 
and we all with unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into what? In his likeness. Whose likeness? Jesus' likeness. By the Lord, which is the Spirit. That when the Spirit comes to us, what the Spirit does is the Spirit brings the incarnate Word of God to us. Jesus, the Lord. And the Spirit causes our lives to be molded into the image of Jesus. And so we come. This is why we gather here. We're not gathering here to have some experience of God that has nothing to do with the testimony of Scripture, but we're coming here into this place. We come into worship because we're trusting that somehow in the words of Scripture, sung and spoken, that Christ Jesus himself is transfigured among us and a new humanity is created. Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is, do you know it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what God is doing. And that's a description of Jesus. The man of love, the man of joy, the man of peace, the man of patience, the man of kindness, the man of goodness, the man of faithfulness, the man of gentleness, the man of self-control. And to come into an encounter with the Word of God is to be breathed upon by the Spirit of God that makes us like Jesus. Church, can we stand this morning? And now begin to submit ourselves once more to Jesus Christ. And we do it with the words of this prayer, this confession. Say it with me. We say, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Church, would you lift up your hands and just begin to receive the Holy Spirit? Nobody follows Jesus unless the Spirit inspires it. And what the Spirit is inspiring is our following of Jesus. And so we say, Spirit, come. We pray that you would break down our hardness of heart. We pray that you would rid us of anger and fear and violence and strife and greed, all of the things that mar and deface and unmake human life. We pray that you would rid us of it right now, that there would be a deluge of your spirit in this place this morning that makes us more like Jesus. And so come, we pray, Spirit of God, make us new, we're asking. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. So would you do that in this moment? Would you give the Lord thanks? For the ways in which he has spoken to you throughout your life? Maybe even the ways he's speaking to you in this very moment. 
This is the moment where we step to the table as a community of faith, where we share in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. But to keep in this moment of allowing the Spirit to be the one who speaks to us, um, I simply want to read from this moment that happens in the life of Jesus where he steps to the table. It happens in the Gospel of Luke. It says that, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the words that, that the Spirit speaks in this moment is that it is for you. This broken body of Jesus is not for everyone else. It is for you. The goodness and love of Jesus is not for everyone else, but it is for you. The forgiveness of sin is not for everyone else, but it is for you. So New Life East, would you take that bread and would you break it? And would you eat knowing that this body is for you? continues on. It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I think of the words of what it means for this shed blood of Jesus to be a new covenant, that it is an ongoing promise for you, that you actually, in all your efforts and all of our failings and all of our missteps, cannot actually shake off the promise of God. We can't get rid of it. Those moments, those moments where you feel as if God has abandoned you, the Spirit will not stop speaking. Jesus will not stop healing you. Jesus will not stop pursuing you. So New Life Feast, would you take and drink knowing that this is a God who at his very best will never leave nor forsake you. Would you take and would you drink? And would you respond to God's goodness by singing the doxology? Scripture says that after God formed the man from the dust of the grounds, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. New Life East, before we go, would you just do one thing? Take a deep breath of the Spirit of God this morning. We come alive.
by the life of God, we come alive in your presence. And yet again this morning, you have taken us from the dust of the ground. And you've breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And we have become living beings, human beings. New Life East, would you open your hands like this, receive this benediction as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. I'll invite our altar ministry team to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. Fellowship hour is happening. I'm serious. Donuts and coffee. Go out there and enjoy each other's company, and we'll see you next Sunday.